0: This morning's reading is taken from Peter's first letter, starting chapter one, verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Thank you, Dot and Ian. We've already uh, touched on the fact that we're beginning of a new year, and you've looked and thought about some of the commitments that you're hoping to keep. As you look into 2020, what emotions does that stir within you? Is it excitement, hope, potential? Maybe there's a bit of fear, anxiety, maybe a mixture of all of those. We've thought about some commitments that we might be making. I hope that we might be not, not be like the estimate of 80% of New Year's resolutions that are broken by the middle of February. That's the estimate. Most people revert back then to life as it was before, often with feelings of failure and disappointment. What does the future hold? We've just come through another general election campaign where politicians tripped over themselves to make commitments as to what they would spend and what they would do for us and making the great promises. I think most of us took those with a heavy dose of salt, possibly even some cynicism. But what if there really was a brighter future that we could confidently rely on and, in fact, have a part to play in making it become a reality? That's the vision we're going to be looking at from a series over the next five Sundays. The application will be for both us as individuals and for us as a congregation, as a church body. If I was to go into Parkgate this morning or any day and ask them, what is the church? I think most people would reply by listing some of the buildings along the Stratford Road. That opinion or that view is reinforced by the maps that we have. If You can see on this one, it just shows the Methodist church, the location, even in subtle ways like the Christmas Uh, Lights along the Stratford Road, for outside each of the church buildings there are lights and a cross. But I'd hope that most of you this morning would be aware that the church, the biblical concept of the church, is not the building, but the people. And the Greek term used for church in the Bible, both the, uh, the Greek translation of the Old Testament and the New Testament, is the word ecclesia, In fact, it occurs 114 times, I'm told, in the New Testament. I haven't counted them. It's not a new word coined by Jesus and the apostles, but was a word that was in common use in Greek society. In its basic form, it means called out and was originally applied to a regular assembly of the body of citizens in a free city state where they were called by the herald for discussion of and making, de- making decisions for public business in that particular area. So Jesus and the apostles simply took that word and had applied it to a gathering of his followers. And it's very important to have this view fixed in our minds of the church being people rather than a building. They are people who are called out. And we are called by God from all of the nations around the world as a group of people to follow and obey the teaching of Jesus. In the passage that Dot read, the Apostle Peter was writing to a group of believers in what is present-day Turkey, in the northern and central regions of that country. It's most likely that they would not have been meeting in buildings that were specifically designed and set up for church meetings, for public worship, but rather in homes. But Peter uses two very poignant and loaded words or terms to describe these believers. The first thing he called them was the elect or chosen. And we need to view that term in the context of the wider biblical story, from Genesis 12, right back at the beginning, God called the nation of Israel to be his representatives on earth, giving them the responsibility, because they were a special chosen people, to be a light to the nations. And by using this term in this verse, Peter is including those followers in Asia Minor 2,000 years later into this elect body of people whether they were Jewish by birth or not and today whatever our journey of faith to faith when we surrendered to the Lordship of Christ we became part of the same body this chosen called people and when we meet together as believers we remind ourselves of the particular story about the world that we believe that is very often markedly different from people around. We believe the world is God's. He created it. We believe the world is broken because of sin. We believe that Jesus' death and resurrection makes new life possible. We believe that one day everything will be transformed and restored to God's original order. And we live as people with a distinct story and a culture very often doesn't believe any of those facts so we are different from those around meeting together therefore is vitally important for christian growth and discipleship as we use the time to strengthen and encourage one another to be who we are god's chosen people his elect with a distinct calling and mission The New Testament knows nothing about a brand of Christianity where followers of Jesus remain alone and isolated. When we come into relationship with Jesus, the head of the body, then we automatically come into relationship with all other members of that body, no matter where they are. However, it's obviously, practically speaking, very difficult to have a meaningful relationship with someone who lives thousands of miles away, but we can have relationships with those who live in the same location as we do. So we can encourage one another, build one another up, love one another, look out for the needs of one another, equip one another to live for Christ and serve him in an environment that is often becoming increasingly hostile to Christian values. The writer to the Hebrews put it this way, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, it's estimated that in England and Wales, approximately 6% of people will attend a church service on one or more Sundays per month. And in this slide... That's represented by the red dots and is sometimes referred to as the church gathered. When we come together, when we meet together, this morning here, we are part of the church gathered. Your immediate reaction might be that we're such a small and, in fact, smalling or falling uh, minority that we can't have much lasting or real impact. How on earth can we make a difference? What can we do being so uh, much in the minority? But Peter goes on and he uses another word. As well as calling these people elect and chosen, he also describes them as being strangers or exiles, depending on the version of the Bible that you're reading. And the term also needs to be placed within the context of the whole Bible narrative. As it recalls the great disaster of the Old Testament, when, due to repeated disobedience, the children of Israel lost their land and were taken into captivity, into Babylon. And at first they hoped for a quick return, even though God had said through the prophets that the exile would last 70 years. In fact, the first generation of exiles, most of them died in exile. Very few of them actually lived long enough to return to the land of Israel. But God gave them instructions. He didn't just ignore them when they were living in exile. He gave them instructions for how they were to live at that time. They were to remain faithful to God, distinct, work for the prosperity of this pagan nation that they were living amongst, and be a blessing in that difficult, hostile environment where they now find themselves. In Jeremiah, we read, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have called you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. They were to work hard, be conscientious, trustworthy, contribute to the welfare of the city as a whole, in other words, be good neighbors and citizens. And Peter takes the same approach in this verse because in the second part of verse 2, when he has called the people both elect and exiled, he says, as they are sanctified through the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. And the word sanctification simply means consecration, purification, set apart for holiness. Set apart for holy living. And in a non-sympathetic world, God's purpose for these early believers and for us is that we live with different values, motives, attitudes, and behavior. We're set apart for holy living through our obedience to Christ in every area of our lives. As believers, we generally don't spend most of our time with fellow believers, other Christians, but in our places of work, neighborhoods, families, social connections. And when believers are separated in this way, the term that's often used is that we are the church scattered. You can see that from the red dots now in the diagram. It's where the vast majority of Christians, it's estimated 98% of Christians, those not in full-time paired church employment, spend 95% of their waking hours. We may be the only followers of Jesus in our homes, our workplaces, our classrooms, but these are the places where God has called us to be a light to the nations. Paul, writing to the Philippians, said, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine amongst them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of God of life, shining in the world where God has placed us. So while we're still a minority, as we scatter to our everyday places, we're in contact with so many people and situations And the way we live our lives can make all the difference in the world. Every week, we're already in offices, restaurants, hospitals, classrooms, hospitals, hospital wards, voluntary groups, supermarkets, factories, care homes, banks, universities, and so many more places. We are the scattered people of God called to seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which we've been called what an opportunity for us to bring something of the aroma of Christ traces of God's grace with us to those with whom we mix so the model for the church that is the people of God becomes clear we're a body of people living a rhythm of gathering and scattering usually gathering on a Sunday sometimes during the week as well and then scattering for the majority of the rest of the time. To live as God intends us, it's important that we don't grey out, lose our distinctiveness, and become the same as the surrounding culture. But to lead fruitful, productive lives, as followers of Jesus, two things are essential. Firstly, we need to own those places where we find ourselves. They may not be the situations that we like, or we would have chosen for ourselves, nor may they be the most fulfilling, but it's where we are. We need to embrace the truth that we might be in these places because that's exactly where God wants us to be at this particular time. Secondly, there's a call to be distinct, to offer a distinctive alternative to our surrounding culture. When we gather together on Sundays or during the week to sing and speak about a different story of the world, one that has fallen, redeemed, but with an eternal future, we need to remember and take this story with us Monday through Saturday as well. So despite being this small minority, Christians can make all the difference in the world for Christ. Wherever we are, whatever we do, whoever we are, as together we grow. And these will be the theme of our services over the next five Sunday mornings called Frontline Sundays. This is whole life discipleship, not just discipleship on a Sunday or when we're with other Christians, but whole life. The working definition of a disciple is someone who is learning the way of Jesus in their context at this moment, because discipleship never ends. We never arrive this side of heaven. We're always learning more about God and more about how to live and respond in our locations. Disciples are formed in situations that demand wisdom, perseverance and culture and courage. They're the everyday places where God calls us to live out our everyday responsibilities. they are places of opportunity for the reality of God's kingdom to break in. There are front lines. That term originated in a war setting, but it's now often used in other settings or other contexts. And all of us, every one of us, have front lines, no matter what stage of life we're at. In fact, most of us have multiple front lines. Just some examples, as I said, begins on the uh, war front, but run through the slides Rides, right, please, in a classroom, in an office, in a hospital, next slides please, at the home looking after children, in a social setting. All of those are front lines. Everyday places where we live work, study or play and where we're likely to connect with people who aren't Christians where we are the scattered people of God let's think about some of the examples in in Bible, Joseph Joseph's front line was in serving Potiphar and then Pharaoh Daniel's front line was in serving various kings of Babylon Miriam, her front line was as as a nursemaid to Moses, Ruth as a carer for Naomi and working in the cornfields as a farm laborer, Ruth, David, sorry, Ruth, uh, David, shepherd and ruler, Mary, wife and mother, James and John, fishermen, Onesimus as a slave, Hopefully you're getting a picture that our front line is, each of us have front lines wherever God has placed us. I want you just to stop and think for a moment or two. Where is your front line? This is the part that gets scary. Paul told me I should use a roving mic. So I've primed a few people just to make sure that it's not total silence. But if you want to give an answer where you think your front line is, just one word is all we need. Put a hand up and I'll come to you. Uh, At the moment, it would be in the workplace and try my best to lead my team the way God would want me to. Thanks, Mark. Um, being at uni with people who aren't Christians thank you anyone else long run down here be thinking as I come round thanks Ian Uh, I'm doing more volunteering so other volunteers that I come across thank you anyone else any others where's your front line Thanks, Vivian. In the supermarket queue. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? Martin? I'll speak on behalf of shy volunteers, but toddler groups and boys' brigade and girls' brigade and youth club and all those places. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Anyone else? And Rosie. Kaira's Coffee Shop. Totally. Yeah. Rosie. Um, in the classroom and also in the family sports centre. Yeah. Thank you. Edwina. Uh, in the neighbourhood where I live. Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully that gives you just an idea. A whole range of places. As I say, most of us in fact have multiple front lines. Work, home, family. Neighbours, social settings, wherever. So we've identified this whole range of front lines. The question may be coming to you now, well, okay, well, how do I do that? What can I do? The London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, the group that have put together this whole series, they use what they call the 6M model. For living on our front lines. And let me just quickly run through the six M's The first M, modeling godly character. So we allow the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our daily lives, it becomes clear that often those values are unusual. For example, in an age of fast-moving distraction, patience shown to others can be countercultural, can offer a window into a different life a different set of motives modeling godly character secondly making good work doing everything for christ is both part of our worship and part of our witness the way we engage with daily tasks becomes a space in which our practice we practice our ministry to god in the world and that's one of the reasons why the theme verse for this year has been chosen to be from Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. That attitude can transform how we do our daily work. It's said that Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, had a sign above her kitchen sink which read, Divine service performed here three times daily. She had got the idea of where her front, one of her front lines was and how she could live godly values in that. The third M, ministering God's grace and love. Going the extra mile can be costly, both in terms of time and emotional energy, but it's part of the call to live sacrificially for others in the very ordinary day-to-day contexts we are in. Fourth M, molding culture. We know that life isn't perfect. We're called to live resiliently in the world as it is, not as we wish it was. There are times, however, when regardless of our official position in an organization, we can change how things are done in our bit of the world. Or we can change things, how things are done at home or in various societies that we might belong to. In a workplace, for example, if everyone takes an extra 10 minutes for lunch, we can stick to the allotted time. If everyone else swears freely, speaks with innuendo, we can model purity of speech. When we can mold culture, even in what might seem a very small way, we should. The fifth M, a mouthpiece for truth and justice. Most of us aren't able to do this on a national or international stage. Yet every day when we commit, when we combat lies, snuff out gossip, or work for justice for others, we're living out some of the central values of the kingdom of God. A person I know well was suffering badly from depression. and He was fired from his role during that period. Fortunately, I have to say it was a Christian organization that fired him. He was in no mental state to fight his corner. But my previous boss took up the baton for him. And it was obvious that he couldn't return to the same organization. But he won a substantial financial recompense for the unfair treatment that this particular man had received. And then sixthly, the sixth M, messenger for the gospel. There are times to explain why the message of Jesus is so compelling. We can describe the difference he has made in our lives and how we see everything differently because of him. The gospel message needs to be explained by a verbal account. Actions are not enough. Words are needed to tell the bigger story that God invites all of us into and if someone were to say to you what is a Christian or how did I become a Christian could you explain it simply without using Christian jargon in an appealing way there are lots of good resources out there to help us if you're interested ask me and I can point you in the direction of some of those so we've got these six M's if you would like a copy of these Uh, let me know and I'll make sure I'll either email it to you if that's possible or next week I can have copies of them available uh, for people to take away. So being part of a church is essential. As both the elect and exiled people of God, there's a double aspect to our existence, gathered together and scattered. And in both scenarios, learning about God and taking him to a world that is lost. A world that sets its own values, its own standards, changes its values, looks for pleasure and satisfaction in all sorts of ultimately non-satisfying pursuits. And a world that will eventually end up in eternal separation from a holy God when he returns to restore and renew all of creation. We can make a difference. Whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we do, if we are faithful to our calling. What an incredible privilege, as well as opportunity and responsibility. And this exciting vision can change our entire outlook on our circumstances as we head into 2020. If this is the attitude, if this is the commitment we make before God, and give control of our lives over to the Holy Spirit to enable us to live obediently to Jesus wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever we do, we can be part of making all the difference in the world. Write to the DVD, please. Over a month, around 6% of the UK gather together to worship Jesus. It feels like we're too few to make a difference. But the reality is, Monday to Saturday, God has us. Scattered in the world, connecting to hundreds and thousands of people. So wherever you are. Whoever you are. Whatever you do. You can make all the difference in the world. And on Sundays, when we gather together, We strengthen and empower one another to be sent out again for life on our front lines. Every week, as I said, there are five sermons and talks in this series on the Frontline Sundays. We'll be going through those each Sunday in January. Each week there'll be a takeaway from the message to remind you of what it said. This week it is a little coaster. and You can see the scattered red dots. Take it to your front line. Place it somewhere so that every time you have a cup of coffee it reminds you of why you are there the six M's as you lead your life. Remember, those six M's, it doesn't mean that I say, oh, I'm just doing one of those. God calls us where we can to work in every single one of those areas. These will be available along with the theme cards as you leave this way and going into the hub for coffee. Please do take one and take them with you. let's pray. And the words of the prayers that I'm using are on the screen just to, you can repeat them along with me if you want or just to pray them silently yourself, whatever you would prefer. We thank you God, Father, that we are your church, the body of Christ in this world. We're grateful for our Sunday life and the worship, fellowship and teaching that equips us For the days when we're apart help us to see afresh the possibilities of our everyday lives may we know your presence with us in the pressures and potential of the week help us to leave traces of grace on our front lines wherever we are and whatever we do we pray for the grace and humility In every circumstance of our lives, whether we work for others, are self-employed, in between jobs, studying, or at home as caregivers, living with illness or disability, or in retirement, help us to do whatever you ask, remembering that you are our Lord. Amen.